0: Welcome. It's great to have you all here with us. You know, I was driving down the road, and I saw one of those uh, fast food restaurants that has the sign, Billions and Billions Served. And I was thinking about all of our uh, CELA students and how now that there's millions of them taking on all of those assessment problems out there, we should have our own sign out here that says, Millions and Millions of Problems Solved Daily. So, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, well. <laughs> well it's time to turn it over to a problem solver, it's Dr. John with the Technology Spotlight.
1: Have you ever wanted to talk to your pet, you know, okay some of us maybe we do that, but have you ever wanted to talk to your houseplant? That would be kind of interesting wouldn't it, how would that work, you know? I think. I think he's waving, right? <laughs> you know, a little bit of wind. <laughs> or, you, you know, what would a plant say if it could talk to you? Something like, get out of the way, you're blocking my light, or <laughs> you're standing on my uncle. And <laughs> I like, oh. <"Whoa." laughs> I don't know what they would say because they can't talk. And unfortunately, we're not going to talk about researchers who figured out how to make plants talk, but kind of close to that. Some researchers have been studying plants, And it turns out that they put out really small electrical signals. And these signals travel up and down the stems. And they actually change depending on what's happening to the plant, how much sunshine it's getting and the temperature and whether they have enough water. And so they're actually looking at monitoring these electrical signals to be able to help the plants early on before the leaves start turning brown or something terrible like that. And one of the big problems is how do you connect these probes to the plants? You know, you could jab them, but that would probably hurt them worse than, you know, whatever you're monitoring for. And so they tried different ways of gluing it on and stuff. And they finally came up with this thermal gel that is a liquid when they put it on. And then as it sits there, they put their wire on, and then it starts to harden a little bit and it doesn't get all the way hard because then it would come off again because of that when the wind blows or something but it gets more uh, elastomer and so uh, they can get a really good contact. I want to show you a little video of them putting on uh, one of these probes and see how they stick it on the drop right there the little thermal gel and then after just a few seconds and it warms up then uh, it gets harder and it's on there quite well. And they put some salts in there to make it conduct really well. And this works really good even when the plant has little hairs, because most plants have that. And so now they, they're experimenting with probing the, the environment, or probing what's coming from the plant now um, with those electrical signals. But then they took it a step further. I want to show you another kind of plant that you may have seen before. This is a Venus flytrap. And these are really amazing plants because they're carnivorous. They actually catch flies or spiders and then digest them in these little traps. And if you look really carefully, you can see the little hairs inside of the trap. And the way these work is if you bump one of those hairs, nothing happens. But if you bump another hair or even the same one again within, say, 30 seconds, then snap, you're caught. And so these are really amazing plants because they move that fast. Most plants, you know, if you film them with a time lapse camera, you can see them moving towards the light and stuff. But these move so fast, you can watch it happen. Well, these researchers put their little probes on a Venus flytrap. I want to show you kind of how they set this up. They have on one side a probe where they're actually putting an electrical signal on the plant, and then another side where they're measuring whether or not there was a signal that went throughout the plant, like it detected it. And uh, they're able to put a signal on and trigger the Venus flytrap to close. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But over here on the right, you can see the diagram of their thermal gel and how they uh, put the different components in to make it really stick to the plant really well. Now, check this out. This is the best part. (laughs) So they put these little probes on. And, uh, again, they use the thermal gel, and they hook it up to a smartphone. When they push the button, then you can see it close. And and then, of course, they took it a step further. They put it on a robotic arm. So it's your robotic fly catcher, right? (laughs) And they used it to pick up a little wire. And they were able to get it to close within about one and a half seconds, which is pretty cool. And then, of course, they could get it to open. It's just took, you know, an hour, two or three, whatever, a few hours for it to finally relax and open back up like it's going to catch another fly. And uh, when they put it on the robotic arm, of course, they had to disconnect it from the plant. And that only lasted for about a day, and then it got too dried out, of course. Uh, but it's pretty amazing because it takes very little power. They just send this little, teeny signal, and then that plant actuates like that. Uh, they did a lot of experiments though with what it takes to trigger. If they just put a voltage on there, then it'll trigger it in a random amount of time. Sometimes it's several seconds or more, and sometimes it's really short. And then they found that if they do pulses, like two pulses, in let's say um, uh, twice a second, two hertz, then it'll trigger much faster, about within about 1.3 seconds. So. Uh, They're starting to kind of understand the signaling of the plant, but really there's a lot more to understand this actual plant communication. So um, maybe we're not actually talking to the plants, but uh, at least now we have a new way to monitor what's going on. I think it's a little more like monitoring someone's heart rate, you know, it's not exactly talking to them, but (laughs) it can tell you a lot about what's going on. And maybe someday we'll actually be able to use technology like this on a larger scale and actually be able to improve yields. If you could tell from the signals from the plant what they need, you know, maybe they need more water or maybe they need a certain kind of fertilizer or a certain element, if you could be able to tell that and give it to them right at the right time, then you could really increase yield. And, and that would be really exciting, wouldn't it? That's all the tech we have the time for.
0: <laughs> right. Now it's time for Breakthrough Moments in Science with Tobias.
2: Tonight, we're going to talk about a breakthrough that's right here. A new dance move. (laughs) No, no, we're talking about air. Not the creation of it. We couldn't figure out how to make it, but how do we use air? How can we utilize air to change something, to invent something? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And it's with something that we so often take for granted, and that is the smooth rides that we enjoy when we ride in a car, when we Ride on an airplane when we ride a bike; those tires, because I mean the wheel obviously is an incredible invention, but it's not been the same throughout time. Okay, the wheels we experience now are very different because earlier, before the kinds of wheels we enjoy now, rides were much more bumpy. Okay, carriages. All right, you watch those those movies, those romantic moments where they're in the carriage together. And he turns and says, when I saw you there, across the room, I knew you were the one. No. Okay, that's not how it goes. Okay, it it would be more like this. When I I saw you across the room, I knew. that. You know what, never mind. (laughs) We'll we'll talk later. Okay. They were not smooth rides, okay? The wheels... Would hit bumps and carry that right to the carriage and it was not smooth okay and even on things like bikes and we're getting to the late 1800s when rubber had been invented in fact bikes had rubber on them a lot of bikes did but they were still very problematic we're talking about someone named john dunlop and he was a scottish man who lived in ireland and he was a surgeon and he had a son who started riding a bike And he had one of these bikes with rubber on the wheels, but it was very intense to ride. In fact, at the time, they even had a nickname for bikes. They were called Bone Shakers. It sounds like a biker group. (laughs) We're the Bone Shaker. (laughs) They were called Bone Shakers, because when you'd ride on those bikes on the street, it was so shaky that it was quite uncomfortable. And he saw his son trying to ride this bike, and you couldn't get very fast. If you got too fast, and this is true even with carriages, and you hit some of those bumps, it can be really bad. Um, So you can only ride so fast, and you got to be really good, because if you hit those bumps, you got to stay balanced. So he started thinking, John did, how could I make this a smooth ride? And he was thinking about the rubber that was used. And he decided if he could find a way to make the tire itself softer, then he might be able to make the ride smoother, so it absorbs some of those bumps. And he goes to his surgical table, and he pulls out this sheet of rubber. And he would cover his table before operations with this rubber. And he s- cuts these strips of rubber out, and then he sews them into these tubes and seals them. And it sews them really well. You'd hope he's pretty good at sewing if he's a surgeon. But he sews them shut, and then he fills them with air. Now, there's, there's air. Around us, and we don't really fill the air much, but when we start to pressurize it, we start to feel that pushback. If you blow up a balloon, the air is pushing inside that balloon, it's pushing out against the edges of the balloon, and that's how it keeps its form. And so, as he increases the air pressure, the tube starts to get harder. He increases it quite a bit, and now the rubber's holding it in there. Then he wraps the whole thing with a canvasy, so it's kind of a fabric type material this light canvas. And then he tests it on his son's bike wheel. And they they did a test where they took the wheel before his his new tire, and they rolled it by itself. And it rolled for a little ways, and then it hit a bump and (laughs) fell over. Then they rolled his tire, and it rolled right over that bump, over the next bump, and across their whole test area because it was able to not be as impacted by those bumps. So they put it on and his son, as you see here, is was the first one to try out these new tires and they were they were light because of that canvas that was wrapped around them. And so the design that he started doing was basically a rubber tube filled with air and then a canvas material on the outside that he fastened to the bike to be able to hold it and keep it strong. Now eventually they would flip this and put the rubber on the outside and the fibrous material inside to make it last longer. Well, it wasn't like all of a sudden everyone needs this new tire. Um, the first people we know of to try it, well, one of the big things at the time in Europe was bike racing with bicycles and they would get in these, the crowds would come to watch and it was a big thing and it was probably pretty exciting to watch because of all the crashes and problems that they had. Well, a couple people started trying his tires, and suspiciously, they all started winning. So if they had the John Dunlop tires, they won the race. And that started to be a sign of there's something something here. Uh, because if you, if you roll this tire, you can go faster against those bumps, and it will absorb those bumps. So people started using them more and more. A businessman finally came and talked to him and they started a company and they started to make tires and um, at the same time or at roughly the same time two French brothers got into this as well and they started make- making bicycle tires Edward and Andrew Michelin <laughs> and um, they actually here they are with this is the original famous Michelin man that's why he's that color because the tires at the time were all white and the story is they were at a conference, and they saw a pile of tires, and one of them said, hey, okay, we don't know if they said hey, but they said, if you put arms and legs on that, it looked like a, a guy. <laughs> Let's do it. So that's how the Mission Land Man was born. And all of a sudden, this started to take off, and eventually, as we know, it would carry on to cars and all kinds of um, portable or transport uh, machines that needed to roll. And even airplanes being able to take off and land would be completely changed by this. Cars, one of the limitations with cars was you couldn't go very fast because the tires would hit those bumps and it'd be terrible. And all of a sudden, you could now absorb those hits. And it's something you don't think about when you're in a car rolling down the highway. All the bumps it's absorbing for you. And there's a really interesting portrayal that I want to show of this. And this is... A gentleman decided to see what it looks like if you were in a tire. He didn't get in a tire. But he took a GoPro camera, and maybe the question isn't so much how he did this. The question is why. But he fastened a GoPro camera on a rim, and then he put the rubber on top and filled it with air, filled it up with pressure. And then he took it, put it on the car, and he drove down the road. So here's a view of inside the tire, and now he starts driving and the roll, that's the ground. Each time that you see that, that's actually the ground that it's bending. He's driving slow, but you don't realize sometimes how much that tire is warping every time that he took it up to a faster speed, and it gets faster and faster, and then down we go. <laughs> <clears throat> but all, all that happening with every single rotation, and yet all of that being pulled, all that warping is being taken away from the bumps that you're feeling. And it was pretty amazing, and opened up so many more industries of today. So next time you're in a car, be grateful that you're in a car and not in a bone shaker. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right, and now introducing Roger Billings.
3: It just gets better and better, doesn't it? Yeah, It's really good. Wow. A bone shaker, huh? Yeah. You know, once uh, my mother asked me to blow up a balloon. Mm -hmm. And you know, it takes strong lungs. He was talking about balloons. Let me show you. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) He said that you can push back on it. Try it.
0: Oh. <laughs> Pretty good pusher. Sure.
3: Yeah, so my mother said, Can you blow up a balloon? And I said, Sure. So I filled it up with hydrogen and lit it.
1: <laughs> oh.
3: That's not even funny, is it? Okay, we're doing sick jokes tonight, right? <laughs> so I've always loved Venus fly, fly traps. Mm-hmm. You know, those little plants that, you know, and I would go out around the house. I actually learned how to catch flies. For my Venus fly trap. You could feed it. You know, you can catch flies. Yeah. I would like to now train everyone on how to catch flies. Remember, for a Venus fly trap, you don't want to hurt the flies. So what you do is you find them crawling around and you get your fly trap hand and you go. Just like
0: that.
3: Yeah, and you can catch them. And then you go over and you drop them on the fly trap. And if they fly too soon, but if, if they land there for a second, then it goes. The grabs
0: They're pretty neat, actually. Yeah.
3: I think that a Venus flytrap would be a very good science fair project. I think you can go online and order flies from Venus. <laughs> I mean, Venus flytrap, <laughs> get now, it? Why do you call it that?
0: That's yeah. good.
3: Gonna... You know, I think I know the answer to that. Yeah? Back in the day, when, when they were you know, first discovering Venus, and there it is, this, this planet, very close sun going around, mm-hmm. they figured there was really strange plants on there. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably where a plant that could actually move was. Can you imagine a plant moving that fast? It's really bizarre. And here's John trying to turn them into robots.
0: I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: they are neat, though.
3: But this is the first time John's ever taught us why they call it STEM? Oh. <laughs> so plants, stem, STEM, robot. Yeah. Get it? I, there we so go. I'm figuring this. I'm putting it all together. So I want to talk a lot about the science fair tonight. In okay. fact, uh, I, I'm going to show you something. Okay. Because I'm trying to inspire science fair projects. But I just want to say, the science fair entry deadline is four days away, and one month. I was like, wow. Four days, one month. The 28th of April is the deadline. So if you haven't entered, you need to get on the ball, right? And remember, you can enter with a science fair project or you can enter with your own original dance. Robot program to dance, okay? That's fun. Um, Starting tomorrow, maybe tonight, when you go to sign into a Cellus, you're gonna notice this new little button up here that says Science Fair, so that if you can't find where it is, remember I told you just ask her, she'll get it done. She yeah. said, the students can't find okay. how to sign up for yeah. the science fair. So we put it right there. Look for it tonight or tomorrow. When you sign into your classes, you've got a list of your classes. Right up there on the top right. There it is. It's these little test tube and a beaker.
0: I think some of them are. Science already Fair? Found it.
3: Already found it? I okay, so. then it's going to be there by tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: But at any rate, if
3: you click on that, it takes you to a new page which is on Neighbors. Remember, April this is the month we're going to launch Neighbors and some of you are already there, early birds, okay? <laughs> but now the way to enroll in the Science Fair is a special page on Neighbors. And you go in there and oh. you can attach your project. You can write up a little bit about it on your post and you attach your video. We want a video where you're explaining your science fair project or where you're showing your dancing robot. Okay? How neat. I do have an announcement that I'd like to make, okay, but you know, she should go first. She's the lady. You go ahead and go first.
0: You put me on the spot with no announcement to make. You don't have an announcement? I, don't.
3: Um, I figured I after that, that entry, you must have an I announcement.
0: I not a big pink purple. It was pretty
3: neat, wasn't it? (laughs) All right, I'll make my announcement. Okay. Some people, these are people that are really on the ball. Some people have already entered in the science fair slash robot dance contest this year. Wow. They already have. They've already put in their entry. And everyone that has already entered before right now, I'm sending a prize too. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's going to be a little poster and a T-shirt. So if you have already entered, will you please watch your mailbox? It's coming to you. Now, some of you are typing real fast. No, <laughs> that's not. That's I've I already do. pulled them off. Yeah.
0: That's, what, that's what I would do. I said. That's what, what, what she. Yeah.
3: That's what, okay. But I just wanna congratulate all of you guys that have entered early and you deserve an award. But uh, if you haven't enrolled yet, then the only way you can get an award is win. And we're gonna have a lot of winners this year. And that's the other big news that I have that I wanna talk about. And it's a special prize we're gonna offer this year. We've been talking about what would be a really outstanding prize for the science fair and and I, I want to get into that, but first I would like to kind of do our own little science fair project here. Can you see that I brought a mirror? Oh,
0: look at me. I am
3: Don't big. you look good? <laughs>
0: yeah. Zoomed up. Yeah, and you big. notice it,
3: it kind of magnifies a little yeah, bit. I love yeah, it. This wow. is a concave mirror, so it, oh goodness, <laughs> like, <laughs> this exactly. is better. Wow. It actually magnifies a little bit. So it's a little mirror sitting know. here on the table. <laughs> And I just happen to have a disc. That's pretty. Isn't that pretty? A piece of metal. Uh And on this side it's got kind of a hologram thing. Can you see that?
0: Those interference patterns?
3: (laughs) Holograms.
0: Hologram, okay.
3: Which create interference patterns to make them so pretty. That's how holograms work, okay? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna spin this disc on this mirror, okay? Mm -hmm. And I've got it on the mirror so that I hope you'll be able to see it even from over the internet. I'm, I'm actually going to send this image over the internet. You're going to do that. What are you looking at?
0: Oh, I just wish we had a camera. The right fly here, part's over. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm looking at. All right.
3: So uh, anyway, I'm going to spin it on here. And okay. it's going to wobble around, wobble around, wobble around. And then it's going to stop. Now you're going to say, there's got to be some science to that. If you're spinning it the fact that it's spinning the motion is science. How long will it spin? Well, that depends on how hard I spin it, right? You've spun things. This isn't really a top. This is just a big chunk of metal. So I'm just gonna spin it. And by the way, this is not a special magnet or something. It's just a piece of metal on a piece of glass. And it's got a little glue piece on to give it this neat holographic pattern. Can you see that? It's kind of cool. It's really neat. It's pretty, isn't it? Alright, so I'm gonna spin it. But before I do, I need a hypothesis. And the hypothesis will come from my collaborator. <laughs> Dr. Pej Monet will now estimate how long oh, it will spin no. <laughs> before it stops. Okay? Take a few minutes to figure it out. Shh. Let her think. Okay. What do you what is your hypothesis? How long will it spin?
0: I don't know how, what it's like on the bottom and what it's, does it actually spin?
3: I'm going to spin it on here. Okay. I'm just going to take it on here and I'm going to spin it. Okay. Okay?
0: Five seconds.
3: Five seconds. So to conduct this experiment, to verify her hypothesis that it'll spin for five seconds, she will count. One second interval, starting with five, (laughs) diminishing until she hits zero, at which time it will stop spinning or her hypothesis is flawed.
0: Wow. This is science. (laughs) Science.
3: We could be inventing tires or stems for plants or something. All right?
0: All right. Are you ready?
3: Uh You want to change your hypothesis or you want to go with it? I want to go right You know why she chose five? That's as far as she was sure she could count down. <laughs> okay. So I will take the disc in my hands, okay. and I'll get ready to do the spin. And as soon as it starts spinning, then you start with five, four, one-second intervals, and we'll see how she does. Are you ready for this, guys? All right. Here goes the spin. I'm spinning it. Oh, look. My pretty thing came off. Put it back on.
0: That wasn't nice.
3: Yeah. That was a dropsy. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay.
0: Five, four, three, two, one. Stop.
3: It didn't stop. (laughs) Watch watch me speed it up. With magic. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. I love science. Faster.
0: <laughs> I love that.
3: <laughs> you hear it?
0: Yeah. It's gonna take off.
3: You can go faster than that. You wanna hear it go faster? I sure do. Okay. Here comes, here it comes.
0: Oh, it's not doing it. Not doing it.
3: You gotta believe in it.
0: Okay. <laughs> Shh. Listen. You can hear it flopping? Oh there
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is neat. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh oh look at that. Oh it's so fast. I like that
3: one. No motors. No motors. No batteries.
0: You're not going to tell us how you did no it. No
3: magnets. And it went over five seconds.
0: No, yeah. <laughs> it sure did.
3: This could be a science fair project to figure out how it worked. So, do you have a new hypothesis of why it went over five seconds?
0: No. <laughs> I don't. Must be the shape.
3: I'll give you a clue. Give me a clue. Okay, this is a clue. Sometimes when you're working on the science fair, you get stuck, you need to go to a scientist and get a clue. This is a clue for Dr. Monet on her science project.
0: Smooth? Yes. (laughs) Wow. And explain
3: why. It went over five seconds.
0: Have it, it's correlated to the smoothness
3: of your face. The smoothness <laughs> of well, yours is more smooth than mine. <laughs> Can you imagine how fast it go if you did it?
0: <laughs> <coughs> no. It
3: turns out that the only thing special about this disc, other than the fact that it's kind of heavy because uh-huh. it's so thick, is that it has a very smooth edge around it. That's just and I happen to spin it on a piece of glass, on a mirror. Uh-huh. And the fact that it's smooth and the mirror's smooth means it has very little friction. And that's why it kept going so long. Mm-hmm. Usually there's more friction.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But in this case, there wasn't. And why did it why did it pick up speed? Did you hear it? Pick up yeah. speed? Why did it do that?
0: Because you have magic hands and you just... Because I have magic hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Science is magic. It's like magic anyway. Uh-huh. But actually, as... The kinetic energy was running down. It wasn't rising so far, and since it didn't rise so far, it went faster and faster and faster as it got towards the end of its spin.
0: That's just
3: cool. And it actually does that even if I don't do my neat <laughs> hand <gesture. laughs> Yeah,
0: but that was okay? just
3: awesome. <laughs> That's kind of cool. So just a very smooth surface. It's kind of like a superconductor. lets electricity go and go and go, only this is just smooth versus smooth. If we could make it smooth enough so there was absolutely no friction, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't stop. Of course, there is friction just from moving the air. Mm -hmm. Should we try it one more time?
0: Yes, I think it's me. Okay. I wish they could see it.
3: Can they see it? They can see it. Mm -hmm. Can you see it?
0: Can I stand up and watch it?
3: Yes. Just a minute. (laughs) All in favor? Yes, you may. Okay. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. Here we go, then. This is kind of amazing that it goes is. and goes and goes it and is. goes and goes. It's just a piece of metal, that very smooth edges, on a piece of very smooth glass. Now it's getting faster because it's getting shorter, so it goes faster.
1: You
0: That's just it? neat.
3: Now it's gotta speed up. Faster, faster, faster.
0: That's really fun. All
3: right, so this could be a science fair project.
0: So it's science and magic. That's just neat.
3: This could be another science fair project. Do you have have time for this? Of
0: course, I have
3: time. What's in my bag? bag? Guess what's in my bag. I don't know. Something
0: small. Nothing.
3: Nothing. Except for one of these. Do you see this ball? Uh huh. It's actually more than a ball. It's like a little mushroom top. Can you see that? Like a little top, smooth again, Mm -hmm. and it's got a little handle here so I can spin it. And if you look at it, it's kind of turned this way, kind of like a little mushroom. Can you see that? So what if I spun this on here?
0: Then it'll keep going. Yeah,
3: it won't go long like that one because it doesn't have that special smooth Mm -hmm. surface, and it doesn't have as much mass. All of the weight of that is what creates the kinetic energy to keep it going. But there is something very peculiar about this little spinner. I'm going to see if I can spin on this same mirror okay. and see what it does. Here, you ready? Uh-huh. Okay, let's see if I can do a good spin. It wasn't that great of a spin, was it? Let me see if I can spin a little better. Can you see this up close?
0: That was a pretty good spin. <laughs>
3: Okay, you gotta get on the glass. There we go. It's on the glass. Now watch it.
0: Oh, that's cool. It's <laughs> a dancer. It's like a Did you notice boxes. that it
3: flipped upside down? Yep.
0: That is neat. Do you have a Good.
3: hypothesis why it flipped upside down?
0: It has this little thing on the very end and it wanted to dance. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Like a robot. <laughs> a little thing on the end and one dance. Look, it's going pretty That's my good. Hypothesis. It's going pretty good. Oh, huh? it uh, ran out of jazz. Let's try it again. I think you can do that it style, though. There it goes. It's that spinning, is just neat. Spinning, spinning, climbing.
0: That's <laughs> so neat. I love that.
3: So, how does it do it? Tell us. Can you you think I know?
0: I know you know. <laughs> this wasn't
3: my science fair project. It is? I know you really know. cute though, isn't it? It is. So I'm going to grab this mushroom. Okay. And it has this little piece sticking out the bottom. This little piece of metal which is kind of heavy. And as it's wobbling around, this thing is so heavy, it starts to wobble it wider. So it spins wider and wider and pretty soon it goes up on its tail. So it's actually just the mass of this little stem. It's pretty cool, isn't it?
0: It's very cool.
3: It's, it's going out around and climbs up on its hind legs. I think it's that's pretty cool. That's
0: science magic, that's just neat.
3: Yeah, I, I love science magic. And it's when natural <laughs> laws of science make things happen that seem magical. And things that are magical are very often things we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to try, shh, shh, stop, stop, stop. It's fun to discover why things behave like they are. When something behaves different than you think it would, Mm -hmm. very often there's a great opportunity for an invention, for something that you could create that would be very valuable to people. Okay? So these are ideas for science fair projects. What do you think?
0: They want to know what they're called. I think they're neat.
3: This is called a top <laughs> spinner. Uh-huh. And this is called Ulick. Or this. It is really it is amazing cute. that it can keep going so long, though, isn't it? Uh-huh. So we should time it and see how long it will go. Uh,
1: Some
0: think think 110 seconds.
3: People think that... Uh, It must have a motor or a magnet or something like that making it go, but it really doesn't. It's just the mass of this metal on this very smooth surface with very smooth edges. And I think it's really, really fun. I wonder what we could do to make one that would go longer. Mm -hmm. If we actually made it heavier Mm -hmm. and made it even more polished and smooth, we could probably make it go longer. And I think that's kind of fun, isn't it?
0: So what would you use that for? For
3: a science fair project. (laughs) To uh, amaze my friends. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, science is really amazing. I I love the part where it starts speeding up towards the end. You notice when an ice skater is spinning around Mm -hmm. and then they pull in their arms and their legs and they spin faster? That's what it's doing. Very same thing. The amount of energy consumed about this it's a little less than a hundred watt light bulb. It's just not much energy at all. This neat. I think it's neat.
0: It's really neat. There's actually a lot of science to that. Isn't There's there? a lot because... of science
3: to this wonderful world. There wow. really is. Okay, stop. Stop.
1: Have to I tell it, it
3: to like stop it. and it goes faster. Stop. <laughs>
0: It's in a it's by the to way it. the
3: noise is kind of magnified a little bit by the mirror how it's mounted on this little holder but I just think it's neat
0: it's really neat
3: and right towards the end it really speeds up
0: <laughs> wow I don't want to stop
3: just keep going.
0: So there's probably some mathematical equation to that.
3: huh? Exactly. In fact one of the things that physicists do is they figure out mathematical formulas for these kinds of motions and they can. And this thing behaves in accordance with Newtonian physics, Mm. the laws of motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it follows those rules exactly. Isn't that neat? I like
0: Newton.
3: Yeah, it is. You knew him?
0: Maybe. (laughs) I I kind of feel like maybe I did. (laughs) Maybe.
3: Okay, good. So I want to come back to the science fair. We talked about what we would do for a very special prize. I, I promised this year that we were going to find more prizes because we had a lot of people enter last year. And this year, I know we're going to have a lot more enter than we did last year. And I want to have a lot of prizes. Oh, Some of them uh, requested that that little light bulb mm-hmm. that's separated by a distance mm-hmm. should be a prize. So I would put one of those, actually two of them, into the list of prizes. Mm-hmm. But I wanted something bigger. And, you know, I thought about a Learjet. <laughs> I'm
0: going to enter That's what times. I would want. <laughs>
3: Come back, come back, come back. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, I couldn't get the Learjet idea approved
0: this year, maybe
3: next year. Right, Joe? That's a
0: pretty good (laughs) science fair project.
3: But then I remembered Mm -hmm. uh, when I was doing my science fair experiences, and I entered the science fair three years, Mm -hmm. and they were very, very important experiences for me. The first year, that I entered the science fair, I was going to run an engine on hydrogen. And I worked and I mowed lawns during the summer to get a lawnmower engine so I could convert it. I got a tank of hydrogen, I couldn't get it to run. And so as the science fair got very, very close, I realized I wasn't gonna be able to to get the engine to work. So I changed to a project where I studied the germination of seeds under the effect of ultrasound. Ultrasound is real, real high frequency sound we can't hear. But they have machines that use ultrasound to clean certain kinds of equipment. They also have an ultrasound machine that has a wire to a head and they actually put it under water to treat someone that has a sore joint or a muscle and the ultrasound waves go in and vibrate it well. I found out about one of those machines that they had at the hospital where I lived. And I went to them and I said, hey, could we use your machine to do an experiment? And it took a little persuasion, you know, how that goes, you know, on behalf of science, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it helped that the person working there was my aunt.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's kind of like that <laughs> That kind of, of help.
3: Anyway, it was in the <laughs> therapy department. But near my home, there was a commercial greenhouse that raised a lot of little plants and sold them. And some of the plants they raised had very, very small seeds and they were very expensive. And they said that about a third of the seeds didn't germinate. And I found out because I was working there and they had these flats that were full of dirt and they put the seeds in and it'd all grow up. And after they'd grown up, then they had to transplant the little plants into pots and I said why don't you just plant the seeds in the pot and then you won't have to go to all that labor And they said because a lot of the seeds don't germinate so I got an idea they don't germinate that means you know seeds can can exist for months and years and even sometimes decades and they never germinate until the conditions are right. You've got to have warmth, moisture, et cetera. And then all of a sudden they burst into a plant. But when they would plant these seeds, some of them had germination rates where out of ten, only six or seven would would germinate. And the others would never turn into a plant. So I got this idea. Maybe they just need a kick in the seat. So here's my day. You take the seeds, and before you plant them, you put them in a container full of water, and then you take this ultrasound machine, and you... You can't hear it, but they can, because it's very high frequency. Then you plant them. And I did that, and like 98%, almost all of them germinated. And that was my science fair project. And I wrote up a nice report, and I... I came up with this idea that sometimes the seeds, I know this wasn't terribly scientific, but sometimes the seeds are really asleep, and they need the ultrasound to wake them up and get them going. But one thing I do know is it worked, and it made almost all of them germinate. Well, I went to the science fair. I was in the 10th grade. I had my little project there, I had my little plants, and I started doing more studies with Beans that I would germinate and had all these bean plants on my display. And I won one of the first prize awards for our little local science fair, and included in it was what they called a prize from the United States Navy. It was the Navy Science Cruise. Wow. And that sounded great. And so on a certain day, I was supposed to be down at the airport, and this Navy plane came in. And it was one of these with two big propellers, and it was a big plane. And they opened this thing, we went in the back, and there were, it was just seats along the side, and there was a bunch of guys, because they flew from city to city getting these science fair winners. And they took us all down to San Diego, California, to the Navy base, and for a week, we were in the Navy. A whole week? A whole week, it wow. was really, really fun. And the first place they took us was to boot camp. And you know what boot camp is? Mm-hmm. That's where you learn to shine boots.
0: <laughs> and, and,
3: and they showed us how they had to make their beds so perfect they could bounce a coin off the beds and all these things they had to do. And they had guys going through boot camp. And, and we walked through. We were in boot camp for five minutes. <laughs> and that was about right. <laughs> That's all the boot camp I needed. But we got to see a lot of other things. They took us to Point Magoo, Uh which didn't turn out to be a cartoon. It was a place where they would shoot missiles. And they took us into a a missile testing place, and they had a heat-seeking missile. And that means if there was something like an airplane flying that was putting out heat from the engines, this missile would follow the heat, and that's how it would find its target. And they had one of these missiles mounted on a big rotor thing so it could swivel back and forth. And we all went in there and we're standing around this missile. And then one of the guys lit a match. And the missile sensed the heat and turned right towards it. Wherever he would go, the missile would point at him. It was kind of spooky. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And then they shot a missile for us to see. That was neat. Then they took us to the USS Daniel Boone which was a nuclear-powered submarine. And for some of you that know Navy guys, these are what they call boomers because these submarines carry nuclear missiles, nuclear warheads. But uh, we went up to the, the submarine that was, of course, in the water, and it didn't look that big. But it turns out that above water it's this big, and below water it was quite a bit bigger. And they let us go inside it. So we climbed down the ladder into this huge submarine, and at the time, it was the very, very latest tech, and it was neat to go through and Mm -hmm. see it. We got into the control room, and I'm with all these other brainy science guys. I was one of the youngest, because most of them were seniors, and one of them says, so how fast can this submarine go? Because it has a nuclear reactor. That means it had some fuel, some, uranium, concentrated uranium that was radioactive and it created heat. The heat was used to make steam. The steam would turn a turbine. So it could, it could stay under water for months and months and months months. It didn't need fuel. And so one of, the, one of the students says, so how fast can this submarine go? And the sailor there that was the guy that drove the submarine says, that's classified, we can't tell you. He says, but. We do have torpedoes on this submarine. And he says, we can shoot a torpedo, and then from a dead stop, we can outrun it.
0: That's impressive.
3: That was impressive. I don't know how fast torpedoes go, but when you think that big boat could go that fast, it was really something. So that was an amazing science fair award. It was a wonderful, wonderful week, and I can tell you other things about that that I probably shouldn't.
0: Oh, yeah?
3: We want to know. <laughs> well, um, yeah. One of the things that really, you know, we were all really smart. I was a sophomore. They were smarter. But we were in this big, funny plane. It was just all empty inside, and they had these chairs on both sides and seat belts, and we sit there on these little chairs, and you could see the outside of the plane, the inside of the outside, you know, it was, it was unfinished. And we're going along, and it... It didn't go high like a jet. It was kind of bouncy. It was a propeller plane, even though it was pretty big. Uh, I believe it was a DC-3, for you guys that know these older planes. But, uh, so we're going along, and one of the students got this great idea. So he started calling students to go up to the front. Now, the pilots were through a little wall, so they couldn't see us. We were just in the back. So he'd have them go up right by the wall, and then some more. And then some more. Well, when an airplane has the weight go from the back to the front, it makes the airplane want to go down. And they have a trim tab they use to keep it level. So every time some more students would go to the front, the plane would try to go down. And then he'd get some more, then he got some more, and pretty soon everybody was right up there in front. And he had to trim the plane quite a bit. Then he had us all run to the tail. So we all run back there, and that made the plane go up. And we thought we were really showing that pilot, but he figured out what we were doing. <laughs> then he nosed down over bit. And everybody got sick. And they had these little bags. And, you know, some of us had pretty strong stomachs, but the smell in there got oh, so bad, awesome. we all got sick. So see, I told you. This is probably not to be told, but it was a very inspirational experience. Well, my last science fair, my third one, was when I finally got the hydrogen car running and I went to the local science fair and won, and and I eventually got to the international science fair. It's kind of like our science fair, it's international, because we have entries from all over the world. And I won the gold and silver medal, but the thing that was most wonderful I won a scholarship to the University of my choice. And that really is what helped launch my career, was that scholarship. And so we have worked with Dr. Joseph to arrange two scholarships to the Institute of Science and Technology for the winners of the science fair this year. And it's 100% scholarship for a year of study at the Institute of Science and Technology. Uh, That is the school that created Acellus. Now, the the Institute of Science and Technology, this university was founded in 1985 by four scientists uh, that are very amazing, capable people, and me. I was one of the people that was here that was the founder. And we've, we've talked about that. I'd like to talk about it a little bit more. But the goal was to create a school of applied science. There are so many wonderful universities that specialize in theoretical science, and they give a doctor of philosophy. This group of scientists, and, and I'll just tell you who some of them are. One was Willis Hawkins, who was the chairman of Lockheed and president of Lockheed and he uh, was a director of NASA. He received the National Medal of Science under President Reagan. A great, great scientist. Another one was Sir Geoffrey Pardo from London. Uh, Dr. Pardo was uh, an aerospace scientist and he founded the Aerospace Company in Europe. And uh, very, very famous scientist. He was the chairman of the Watt Committee, which is like our Department of Energy in the UK. Third one was Dr. Nikolai tupolev from the Tupolev Design Bureau in in Moscow. He made the supersonic transport. He made several of the the planes that were built by the Soviet Union. So these are really amazing scientists. And they created this school that was devoted to preparing people to do things in science and technology. And since 1985, we have graduated uh, a steady stream of amazing students that have done many things to change the world, mm-hmm. and uh, our, our program is very, very unique. It was so different that when we first started the school, uh, no one really believed it was going to work, and so we couldn't go accredit the school because accreditation means you're doing it exactly the way the other schools are doing it. Well, we didn't want to do it the way the other schools did it. We wanted to be an applied science school. But now that we've done it for 35 or over 25 years, but it's 35 years, we're just this year going through accreditation for the school, which really makes it exciting. So if you're thinking about getting into science as a career, especially applied science, and you'd like to come and study, at the International Academy of Science, at the Institute of Science and Technology, then this is your chance to win a full scholarship. That's amazing. And I hope some of you will consider doing that. It's, uh, it's really exciting that we're getting more and more students in our university that came through a solace. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that. Um, our Celus graduates are some of the most qualified students that we're getting here, and that's pretty exciting. Okay, I might also say that if you're going to come to this school with these scholarships, and you take our AP courses, those AP courses will count towards your college graduation. Uh-huh. So by the time you get here, you can be well on your way to having your first year. Partially completed, which is is kind of neat, okay? We're going to have a lot of other prizes, too. So I really want to encourage everybody to get involved in the science fair. Now, the uh, neighbors community, which many of you are already uh, tiptoeing around a little bit, is getting ready to come on full force. And you're going to find out there's going to be a lot of things there for you to do. And we're trying to develop neighbors in such a way so there'll be activities. Uh, and some of these activities you come in and you participate in them and you work hard and you, you really enjoy it. We're trying to make it really enjoyable, but they're activities that are learning activities, and as you do them, you will actually get a credit in your sales classes. So We think that's kind of neat, integrating it that way so that it moves you through your education. We realize that the knowledge that you gain empowers you to do things for mankind on this earth, man and womankind, either one or both. Okay. Okay, So the science fair is something that if you're planning to do it, you really need to get going. There is information on this new neighbor's page. And by the way, if you looked yesterday and couldn't find the neighbor's page on the science fair, it wasn't there. <laughs> it just what have you done? was born today.
0: wasn't born today. Okay?
3: And that'll be the page you click to. If you go to the sign-in page, you go up on the right, and you see science fair, uh-huh. and you click on the flask and the test tube. It'll take you there. If you're new to Neighbors, you'll have to sign in, but you can sign in with your Cellus ID, okay? okay. Um, do you think they would be interested in knowing anything about some of the other stuff that's coming to Neighbors? You know, this, this April is when we're planning to actually take it live. Well, we're taking another step now. We're now opening up Neighbors for more of our Cellus students. So it's going to start getting a little bit more crowded, <laughs> and we've got quite a few things that we'll be adding this week, but uh, there there is uh, something that is getting ready to appear on neighbors that our students can't get into. Oh
0: really? Yeah but it's going to be It's locked there. up.
3: It's, locked it's going up. to be there. they'll be able to see it. they just can't get into it.
0: That's kind of.
3: But their parents can, uh-huh.
0: Okay, then I think that the parents are happy. Yeah,
3: this is a, a parent's page. And uh, this is going to be a page where I'm going to have a chance to get to visit with your parents. And the idea is I'm going to be able to uh, hear the questions and respond them. There's a lot of information that parents need to know to be able to effectively use a cellus. A lot of parents are asking for training and information, and we're, we're working on that. But then this site will be kind of my personal interaction. So I'm going to ask Dr. Page to bring in the questions from the parents, and I'm going to have the team help me answer them. And it will be a chance for parents to really know how to optimize the students, the CELUS experience. And we're going to have it be just parents so that they can talk about things like, my kids want this or that, and you won't have to be embarrassed by what they're saying.
0: So, kids, you better be good. Do you know what we're going to call the page? I don't know.
3: Yeah, you do. I don't remember. Think about it. You don't remember. <laughs> no, I guess, what is it called? I guess she thinks it's better we don't tell you tonight.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I do remember now. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> so, do you want but, me to say yeah, it? No, I want you to say it. It's called Lively Parents.
3: Lively parents.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, oh,
3: oh. That's why we don't dare let the students in. That's right. Because I want a place uh-huh. where the parents can really have a lively discussion
0: uh-huh.
3: about the things they are concerned about, the things they need to have improved. Uh-huh. It's interesting. I have a lot of parents that have found ways of reaching out to me, like messages on my website and stuff, and on more and more on neighbors, But these ideas are things I really need to know. You're there watching the students Mm -hmm. and the experience they're having, and I need that feedback. And uh, one of the reasons I wanna put it in a parents-only site is because some of it may be a little bit critical, Mm -hmm. because we need to know the good, bad, and the ugly if we're gonna make this be all that it can be. So parents Mm -hmm. start thinking of the things that you'd like to have some lively discussions over, Because this will be a place where we really want to get some input. And,
0: of course, we're always kind on neighbors, right? We can be lively and we can say things in a positive way. The idea
3: of uh, disagreeing with mutual respect is a magic for making forward progress. We we really don't want to do anything to hurt someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. Feelings are precious. On the other hand, if all we say is nice things... And really pretty things, when there's something that's wrong and needs to be fixed, then we'll never get it fixed. Yeah. So, we want you to be very, you know, honest and open mm-hmm. about the problems that you're having. And I I found that as I've been talking with the parents, uh, quite often they're concerned about this problem or that problem with the cellus. But when I explain to them why we do it, yes. oh, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Didn't they? Really, quite often like it.
0: There's a lot of thought that's yeah, going
3: into this. Yeah, a lot, but there's a lot we still need to fix. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that this will be a place where people will go and spend a little time, and it will it will lift people. And I think that uh, if your students are spending a lot of time, <coughs> I'm going to use this word very carefully, mm-hmm. messing around on the internet. You'd be very glad to know that when they're <clears throat> messing around on neighbors that they're actually earning credit and developing their knowledge mm-hmm. and by integrating these together so that there are things that you're doing there that's helping you in your classes all the better and that's the kind of integrated experience that we're, we're creating i believe neighbors is going to be gigantic I need to. and a lot of students are saying, well, we can't find the stuff, mm-hmm. and how do you do it, and how you create your pages and that. And we're making it more apparent. We're making it more clear. We're adding tons of things. It is definitely not ready to go yet.
0: It's not April.
3: But it's getting real close, <laughs> and I think it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. You'll be seeing some really big changes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay? Thank you. Please look at the Science Fair page, and please uh, be inspired by it. When you get involved in a project like this, it's one of the best learning experiences you can have. And we're figuring out how we're going to give credit towards your learning for Science Fair. But I will tell you this. A Science Fair project helps you get scholarships. I mean, you can win one here, but it also helps you with other universities. They want to know what you did for the Science Fair. Mm -hmm. And it also helps you get jobs when you graduate if if you have that experience it impresses people so the time you spend uh, working on a science project is one of the best educational experiences you can have thank you, thank you.